Thanks for joining us for this week's message. At First Baptist, we exist to love God, love people, and make disciples. We hope you find yourselves blessed, challenged, and encouraged by this week's message. And for more information, you can follow us on social media or visit us at fbcrockhill.org. Good morning, First Rock Hill. Good to see you. Always good to be with you. This is indeed a special, special place. Uh, my wife Dawn and I, we kind of consider ourselves honorary members here. I mean, it, we have so many special friends that serve here, and it's just always good to be with you. So, are you ready? It's Super Bowl Sunday. Who you got? Chiefs fans, everybody Chiefs, raise your hands. All right. Okay. All right. 49ers. Who's 49ers? Who really could care less? I mean, I, you know, that I really don't have a team in this. Uh, Good news for a lot of people, Taylor Swift did land at LAX last night and after a concert over in Japan and should be at the Super Bowl. How many care less about that than the whole, oh good, great, great. I love the athletic imagery that we find so often in the Bible. So if you have your Bibles today, I'd like for you to turn with me please to Hebrews chapter 12. Turn in your Bibles or turn them on and invite you to follow along. As we just look at the first two verses of Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and run the race with endurance the race that is set before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, the truth contained therein. And Father, we pray that we might take that truth through the power of your spirit and Lord, build it into our lives. So, Father, we pray that you would bless our time, that you would speak, and that, Father, we would be hearers of your word, but also doers as well. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Life is a race. The Christian life is a race. And it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's a distance race. I've always wanted to be a runner, but I wasn't very fast, even as a small child. And then uh, I, I thought about running distance, but as you can tell, my body type doesn't lend itself to that. But when I was in college, I got in pretty good shape, started running and jogging, and I decided to enter a race. Now, it would just be a 5K, but I was going to run the race. So I'm running in this race, and I'm certainly not winning the race. I'm not in the back of the race. I'm somewhere in the middle of the race, but I'm, I'm feeling good, and I'm running the race. And about 200 yards ahead, I see the finish line. I'm about to finish the race. And you know everybody who watches a race is at the finish line, right? Family, friends, not a big crowd, but that's where everybody is at the finish line. So you want to finish well. So about 200 yards away, I start my kick. I'm feeling pretty good. Until about 20 yards from the finish line, a six-year-old boy runs past me and finishes ahead of me. I said, I'm done. I'm frustrated. 
I'm embarrassed. A six-year-old boy just beat me in front of these people. I'll never run another race. Well, about 15 years later, I'm running again, and I decide to run another race. Just a 5K, but it's a distance race. And once again, I'm running the race. I'm certainly not leading the pack. I'm not in the back of the race. I'm somewhere in the middle, and toward the end of the race, I'm feeling pretty good. So about 200 yards away, I start my kick, but I have a flashback. I remembered 15 years earlier that six-year-old boy that ran past me. I said, that's not going to happen again. So I'm sprinting. The people are at the finish line, and about 20 yards before the finish line, it was not a six-year-old boy. It was a 67-year-old lady. I know you never ask a woman her age, but I did. I just had to. Ma'am, how old are you? She said, I'm 67 years old. I'm frustrated. I'm embarrassed. I'll never run another race. But isn't life a lot like that? The writer of Hebrews takes this imagery, and he talks about running a race, not a literal race, but a spiritual race. Cicero, the great historian, once wrote with dismay, and how the athletes of biblical days received more attention and more adulation than victorious generals coming home from war. Well, of course, their day was much like our day. I mean, there were fanatics. Now, I like sports. I played sports. I watch sports. I am a fan, but I am not a fanatic. I wonder how many TVs will get kicked Something thrown through TVs tonight during the Super Bowl. People take it really, really serious. But I found it, my team, yeah, I have favorite teams, but since my children no longer play, I don't have any skin in the game. Win or lose, my life is no different. But there are folks who live and die with athletic teams. Such was the day in biblical times. So the writer takes this athletic imagery and he tells us in verse one that we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Here is the stadium. Thousands of people are in the stadium. The emperor is in his luxury box and there are events going on on the field. They had their big time events too. They had Olympics. They had Parthenon games. They, uh, they had Isthmus games. And we have Olympics today. And, of course, the Super Bowl, the World Series, NBA Finals. We have all of these big events that people are so consumed by. Well, as we read in verse 1, there are thousands of witnesses. Thousands of witnesses. Who are these witnesses? Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witness surrounding us, therefore usually refers to what comes before Hebrews chapter 11. Those great cloud of witnesses, those great men and women of the faith who went before us, and not only them, but all of those who've run the race, completed the race, and are in heaven. And as if they are cheering us on, they are encouraging us in running the race of the Christian life. Now, I've heard some people say, well, that's kind of, you know, our parents, if they've gone on to be with the Lord and our friends or our grandparents, they're all in heaven looking down on us. I I don't know, but I hope they're not. 
I mean, if mine are watching me, they're going to be disappointed from time to time. There's no disappointment in heaven, uh, and, or they're going to be bored. I like what Francis Chan said. Francis Chan said, all these folks that are in heaven that have gone before us, uh, there's Jesus on his throne. There's the angels and cherubim and the glory of majesty of God and all the majesty of heaven. Don't you think they're watching that? I would think so. But nevertheless, there is a cloud of witnesses that has gone before us, and they are encouraging us to run the race set before us, the Christian race. So let's talk about running the race. How do we enter the race? Well, we must first enter the race by believing and trusting in Jesus. Has there been a time in your life when you gave your heart to Christ, when you trusted in him, believed on him? You're saved. You're born again. That's when you enter the Christian race. Have you? If you haven't, you can do that today. I mean, you can tune me out right now and you just give your heart and life to Christ, make that decision to follow him. At the end of this service today, that'd be an opportunity to trust in Christ and to believe in him. Listen, salvation is not the prize or the reward we receive at the end of the race. It's the gift that qualifies us to run the race. So if you've been saved, if you've been born again, I'm not saying you have to remember the date, but there had to have been a time when you trusted in Christ and you entered the race. I I remember my date. It was December the 20th of 1981 after staying out all night (laughs) as a college senior at a Christmas party, coming in when the sun came up, it, it just became so aware to me of how good God was to me. I'd had a good college life academically, athletically, socially, all of those kinds of things, and I realized it was because of the hand of God. It was not of me. It was God. So it was the goodness of God that led me to repentance. I mean, what's your story? Uh, My wife doesn't remember her date, but she remembers the time, and her salvation is just as real as mine. Your salvation is just as real. Maybe you were down and out. Maybe you'd hit bottom. Maybe you were struggling with addiction. Maybe you were struggling with a health issue. Maybe it was a problem and and you turned to God and Jesus changed your life. You say, I may not have had a Damascus Road experience like the Apostle Paul, but if you trusted in Jesus, your experience was just as real. Your salvation is just as real. So I want to encourage you today, enter the race. Secondly, once we enter the race, We must overcome adversity in the race. Look at verse 1 again. It says, we have such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. Notice two things there. The encumbrance, some translations say weight, and the sin. Let's look first of all at the weight or the encumbrance. As we're running the race, we'll sometimes hit the wall. We'll sometimes get tired. We'll sometimes fall down. We'll oftentimes fail. And so often we are weighed down by things that hinder us in running the race. It may not necessarily be a bad thing. I mean, you think about it here. There's nothing wrong with an overcoat, but you would not run it, wear it when running a race. 
I've watched some of these marathoners, you know, they're running a marathon in freezing temperatures and they've got a toboggan and gloves and really short shorts and hardly no shirt and just running shoes. That's it. Nothing wrong with running, wearing an overcoat, but you don't wear it to run away. Nothing wrong with dress shoes or boots, but you're not going to wear them to run the race. Nothing bad about it, but it hinders you. I hope you come next week. Talking about the, you know, the social media and, and I mean, it, yeah, this can be a tool of the devil for sure, but it can also be redeemed and used for the glory of God. But even when used for good, it can be a weight. Have you ever seen that picture of a family? They're having dinner and there's six people in the family. They're sitting around the table and every one of them's looking at their phone. They may not be watching porn. They may just be playing games or maybe looking at the news or checking their emails. I mean, things that are not bad in of itself. But when it monopolizes our time and our energy, it can be a weight that slows us down and encumbers us, hinders us in running the race. Oh, but then there's the sin. There's a difference in a weight and a sin. Weight can be sinful and it can be okay. It just weighs us down and... A sin, though, will trip us up. A sin will ensnare us and cause us to fall. If there's sin in your life, let me encourage you. Confess it. Repent of it. Stay in the race. So oftentimes, though, people commit sin and they think, well, God's done with me. Listen, if you could write down every sin that you've committed on that list And God would never look at that list and say, I can't forgive that one, or that list is too long. If you confess your sins and repent of your sin, God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. And yes, we'll still sin. Yes, we will still fall. We will fail. We'll stumble. But stay in the race. Confess your sin. Repent of it. There's an old saying, sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you there longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. That's so true. We'll never be sinless on this earth, but we should strive to repent, confess, and stay in the race. We must overcome adversity in running the race. Thirdly, we need endurance for running the race. Look at verse 1 again. The sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race set before us. Don't stop. Stay in the race. It's always too soon to quit. Now, there are a lot of people who don't enter the race, but they criticize the race. They critique the race. They even consider the race. It's often been said that churches are full of spectators. So often we just want to come and be entertained and we're really not running the race. Let me encourage you. Get in the race, run the race, and run with endurance. Don't quit until you hit the tape, till you get to the finish line. And that's when you see Jesus. As someone said, either in his coming or in our going. Wouldn't it be great to be alive, to be in that generation when Jesus returns? Well, that would be an awesome thing. And that may very well happen, but chances are it will be in our going. And when we see him face to face, we shall be as he is in all the glories and majesties of heaven. But don't quit until you hit the tape. Revelation 2.10 says, be faithful unto death and I'll give you the crown of life. Persevere, endure. 
Napoleon Hill studied the lives of many successful people, and he came to this conclusion. There was one common denominator in all successful people. It wasn't ability. It wasn't energy. It wasn't intellect. It wasn't even attitude. It was perseverance. Perseverance. Anybody read Max Licato? Max Licato, one of the foremost authors of our time, do you realize that he could not get his first book published? No one would publish his book, but he kept trying. He kept persevering until one publisher said, I will publish it on one condition. You don't come back to me with any more books. Well, he missed it, didn't he? Over a hundred books later and several million copies. So Norman Vincent Peale, Power of Positive Thinking. Twelve publishers rejected his manuscript. Discouraged and depressed, he threw the manuscript in the trash basket. His wife pulled it out and said, let's try one more. The rest is history. It's always too soon to quit. Never give up. Persevere. Move ahead. When you get knocked down, get back up. Even when you're a committed Christian, even when you're living the life, you're going to get knocked down. Get back up. The power of God's Holy Spirit in you, get back up. I heard the story of a young college football coach. He was about to go on his first recruiting trip. He would go watch a high school football game to see if there was talent to play at the next level, perhaps play at their college. But before he went on this trip, the wise old head football coach called him into his office and he said, son, I want to make sure you know what you're looking for when you go to scout that game. The old coach said, suppose you're watching a player. He runs down the field. He gets knocked down. He stays down. We want him. The young coach said, no, sir. He got knocked down. He stayed down. The old coach said, you're right. But suppose that player is running down the field. He gets knocked down. He gets back up. He gets knocked down a second time and he stays down. Do we want him? And the young coach said, no, sir. Even though he got up once, he got knocked down a second time. He stayed down. The old coach said, coach said, you're right now. Now, suppose you're watching that young man. He's running down the field. He gets knocked down. He gets back up. He gets knocked down. He gets back up. He gets knocked down. He gets back up. Gets knocked down. He gets back up. Gets knocked down. He gets back up. Finishes the play on his feet. Do we want him? And that young coach said, yes, sir. That's the one we want because every time he was knocked down, he got back up. And the old coach said, no, son, we don't want him. We want the one who's knocking him down. Yeah. We want the one who's knocking him down. But there is something about the person who keeps getting back up. Get knocked down, they get back up. Through the power of God's Holy Spirit, you can do that. You can persevere. You can move ahead. You can get back up when you are knocked down. We will get frustrated. We will become fatigued. We will have setbacks and failures. We will hit the wall, but keep on keeping on. And how do we do that? Verse 2 tells us, by fixing our eyes on Jesus. Look unto Jesus. Focus on Jesus. When running a race, where you look is crucial. It's important a high hurdler once said, I don't even look at the hurdles. I look at the finish line. Too many runners look over their shoulder, see what everybody else is doing. Others look in the stands. Others may look at their own form and get very, very frustrated. 
Look to Jesus. He is our example. He is our model. Follow in his steps. Other runners will let you down. Put your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. Verse 2 says he is the author and finisher of our faith. Some translations say he is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Jesus was tempted in all areas as we're tempted, yet he was without sin. You say, well, he was God. Yes, he was God, but he was also man. And when he became a man, he limited himself many ways like we're limited. He got hungry, he got tired, and he was tempted. Yet he perfectly ran the race. He never sinned, he never failed. And he endured the cross. He who knew no sin became sin for us. He is the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. He is the beginner and completer of our faith. So focus on Jesus. Focus on him. Keep your eyes on him. I love that story of Peter walking on the water. Now, don't you love that story? I, Peter is walking on the water to Jesus. Jesus is walking on the water, but he's Jesus. He can do that. But here's Peter walking on the water. And as long as he focuses on Jesus, he's fine. But it occurred to Peter there was a storm going on, right? And he noticed the wind. He noticed the waves. He, he saw the thunder and the lightning and all, and the darkness. And he took his eyes off Jesus, put them on his circumstances, and he started to sink. And he prayed the shortest prayer in the Bible, Lord, save me. And Jesus was there to save him. We'll go down. We'll go under. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He will rescue you. And I know we're human beings. We'll put our eyes on circumstances sometime. How many of you are in storms today? A, a health storm, a financial storm, a family storm, a relationship storm, an addiction storm, all of those things. Put your focus, put your eyes on Jesus. You may still sink, you may still fall, but he will be there. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Focus on Jesus, the author and completer of our faith. And then lastly, let's finish the race. Let's finish the race. He despised the shame of the cross and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Everything Jesus did on this earth was to glorify the Father. In fact, he said in John 17, 4, that he glorified the Father on earth by completing the work that God gave him to do. He glorified the Father. And the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, that in all that we do, all that we eat, all that we drink, do so to the glory of God of God. And that produces joy. See, in spite of the cross, in spite of the shame, in spite of all Jesus endured, it says there was joy set before him. Joy comes when we glorify God. So are you glorifying him? Are you running the race? Let me encourage you to finish the race Listen to what 2 Timothy 4 says, verses 6 through 8. Paul is speaking. His time of departure is at hand. It, it, the execution is near, and he's run the race. He's not an old man, as far as we know. But he says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, 
and the time of my departure is come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And in the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. But not only to Paul, he says, but to all who have loved his appearing. So let me encourage you today. Run the race. Run the race. Lay aside every weight. Repent of every sin. And persevere, keeping your eyes focused on Jesus. And while you're at it, invite some other folks to run the race with you. Invite them to run the race. Share the good news of the gospel with them. Take some more folks with you in the race. There are so many people sitting by the road, sitting in the stand, sitting by the track, Get them in the race with you. Spend your time focusing on getting others in the race. And then finish well when you hit the tape, when you see Jesus face to face. What a day that will be. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, we praise you today. We honor you for you are a great and mighty God. And Father, I want to pray today if there's some here who need to trust in Jesus, that today would be the day they enter the race, that by faith they would say yes to Jesus, that by faith they would surrender their lives and hearts to Jesus. God, I pray now that your Holy Spirit might touch lives and hearts and convince them of their need for a Savior. And Father, I pray for those who are running the race, Lord, that you might give them endurance in the race, that, Father, you might... Lord, be their focus. Their eyes would be upon you. God, maybe there's some here today who need to refocus, recalibrate, rededicate their lives. And Father, I pray today would be that day of rededication. Fathers, we run the race. Help us, Lord, to invite people to join us in the race, to run the race. And Father, we just pray for people who've hit the wall, who are having a difficult time. They're in a storm of life. Help them to reach up to you, Father, knowing you'll reach down to them. We give you this time of invitation, Lord. We pray your blessings on it in Jesus' name. Amen.